Hi, it's me, Pete, and we're here to talk about running today. So I'm pretty excited because running is one of my favorite things to do and talk about. And we're going to talk about running shoes, running technique, barefoot, forefoot, changing, sticking with what you've got. Uh, So, so many things to cover. Let's get into it. So one of the main things that always comes up around running is technique and form, how to be more efficient. And when I'm talking to the guys that I coach about sticking to math heart rate, that's one key element. But the next is I really need them to send me videos of how they look when they're running because there's such big time gains to be made by improving technique, especially at a slow pace. So when you're running fast, everybody runs fairly similar. It's easier to run, just run, fast than it is to run slow with good form efficiently. So when the guys are sticking to math and at the start, you know, they're running maybe around that six minute K pace, which is pretty slow running. It's quite hard to hold good form at that slow pace. So it's crucial that we get them on the track with good form and see their videos, which is, this is a reminder as well to some of them to send in their videos so that we can give them good feedback and get that progression happening sooner so they're not running at six minute k's so it doesn't feel slow and painful running at math we want to stick with the same heart rate but improve your speed with good technique and over time that uh, improvement will also be there in the aerobic capacity so that then you'll just get faster and faster so in all the times that i've spoken about running technique and taught running technique comes down to just three things the three main things that i recommend people focus on the first is posture the second is cadence or arm carry and swing and the next is footfall how is your foot connecting with the ground in what position so before i get into it i just want to state that everybody is different everybody will look different running everybody is going to have different biomechanics uh, longer limbs shorter torsos all that kind of different stuff so These are just my recommendations for how you could improve your running. If it's not for you, then don't worry about it. Move on, uh, get some other feedback on how you can improve your own personal technique. So first off, let's stick with posture. Posture is, it's like running proud. So standing tall, being tall not only connects the mind with good feedback, but it also helps switch on muscles in the body that weren't normally switched on so good posture run proud Uh, from Chris McCormack that was sort of the mindset the the visualization that I had in sort of 2010 11 and 12 was run proud and you know picturing Chris McCormack running because he just ran with such a good high chest carry Um, he never sort of bent forward he never looked like he was slouching his hips never dropped backwards so posture is key thing but what does posture look like when you're running so if you're there out, out out and about now listening to this then stand tall as you can in one spot so as if you're doing a height test stands really 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 tall now most of the weight at the moment is kind of in the heels or it's spread between the heels and the forefoot what I want you to do is lean forward and put the majority of the weight into the forefoot so as you slightly lean forward majority of the weight in the forefoot you should feel muscles in the ankle the inside of the leg 
the adductors and the glutes all switch on. Now, as you rock back into the heel and all the weights back in the heel, you might feel that those muscles kind of deactivate and they switch off and you're no longer feeling as stable as you were. Lean back into the forefoot again, everything switches back on. So that position of that slight lean from heel to head in a straight line, that's what you want when you're running. So it's good posture, but it's in a straight line with a slight lean forward. So the last thing you want to do with posture in your, if you've got posture in your mind, what you don't want to do is end up leaning backwards so that your chest is kind of opening up so much that you've got a curve in your back, that your head is almost behind the weight of your chest um, and you've just taking all your momentum of your uh, center of gravity back too far. So think about that you've got that slight lean always forward, that your head is always slightly forward and that you just might want to just tuck your sternum in just a tiny bit. So you're really proud and tall, but more upwards in a straight line rather than just pushing the chest out forward, creating that curve in the back and taking your head forward backwards. So posture, that's the key thing. And that is going to help to activate the key muscles for stability through your core, through your glutes and down through your legs. Good posture is going to happen. If you let your hips drop back, for example, and you've now got a kink in that straight line between your ankles and your head, you're going to lose all strength in your legs because now you've got to do a lot of work to keep that momentum through the legs. And I'll cover that again why in a bit. Um, you're also... Um, when the hips are further back, you haven't got any strength in your glutes. So your hips... Uh, tight, your glutes aren't activated and you're losing a lot of effort. It might feel easier when you're exhausted and in a really hot race because mentally it's really tough to keep standing tall when your heart rate's high, when it's really hot. But I can rest assured you that it is worthy mental effort to keep your posture tall because that extra bit of mental effort is going to make huge gains in your pace. And so it won't change your heart rate. It's just more mental effort to keep good form and posture when it gets really tough. Um, so for example of posture differences and that, that slight lean forward versus leaning back and, and the efficiency of it, I've got great footage of 2011 um, of Rayla and I, Michael, um, Andreas Rayla and I competing for the second place position behind Crowey that year. And he caught back up to me and we've got side-on footage of when after he'd passed me, I sat behind him for a bit about 10 metres back and then he started to slow and I started to, I just maintained my pace. And as I passed in, the side-on footage is really cool because you can see that I've just got to lean forward a tiny bit. My head is looking downwards. I've got forward momentum just from my body weight. He, on the other hand, has a really, really upright position. So he's almost working against his own momentum in, at that time. And as I come up on his shoulder, you can see that mentally he cracks and he almost leans even further back as he cracks that little bit. And then I was able to stay away from him and finish in second place that year. But it's really amazing footage. And I'd practiced that many, many times. That all I knew, I knew that I just needed to keep a forward lean 
but still at the same time be tall. So the lean wasn't coming much from my hips, maybe a little bit, you know, it's is 30K into the marathon in Hawaii. Maybe I was falling a little bit at the hips, but minimal. But the thing was that I had momentum because my head was forward, looking a bit further downwards, wasn't looking up onto the horizon kilometers away. And that for me is where I find my momentum and efficiency comes from, from the posture side of things. So I was working really hard on staying connected through posture, but with a slight lean forward. Um, just do not lean back or you're really going to be fighting against yourself the whole time. And if you're listening to this while you're out running, here's a little thing you can try right now. Running along, squeeze your glutes tight as if you're tightening your sphincter and it will push your hips forward. You'll feel taller because your legs will actually feel like they grow longer because your hips will come forward and up. And then hold that position and then create a slight lean forward from the heels while you're still squeezing your glutes together. Once you've got that slight lean, once you feel that momentum carrying you forward now with the hips in a straight position from heel to head, now relax the glutes and hold that position. That's a really comfortable way to run. It just takes practice and muscle memory to get into that position. So every now and then when you're out running, squeeze your glutes, push the hips forward, get a slight lean from heel to head, and then you can get back into relaxing and don't need to hold the glutes tight the entire time. Next, we want to get into cadence, the second part of the three that's most important. So cadence is how many repetitions per minute your legs are turning over. So with this, it's defined by your arms. If your arms are moving very slowly, your cadence is going to be very slow. So this is as much about just arm carry as it is about focusing on cadence because they are intertwined. So if your arms are low or wide from your body, um, your hands are hands carry really low, then the distance that they have to um, travel with each swing of your arms is much, much greater than if you were keeping your hands closer to your body, uh, more in front of you, and your elbows closer to your body. So it comes down to sort of just the old theory, the um, practice of looking at a record player, and obviously the outside of the record player has to travel much, much faster than the inside of the record player. So they're doing the same amount of revolutions, outside's traveling faster. Same with a wheel, anything round that's spinning. You get the picture. The other thing that I'd like you to picture is a, fig, a figure skater. So the figure skater, when they're doing a slow spin, they'll have their leg out wide and their arms out wide as well and maybe in a crouched position, pointing arms and legs out wide. As they come up tall and narrow and bring their arms and legs into a very thin line, so their center line of their body becomes very, very tight, all their limbs, they get very, very fast. So the centrifugal force of them spinning is much, much quicker and easier when everything's close to their body. So visual, also you can picture, um, it's really good to see, look up on YouTube, the any African nation women's running team, a marathon. 
So watch them when they're running the marathon and where they carry their arms. It's really interesting. They all always carry them quite high and close to their chest. And maybe you're, you're not going to be that high and that close. You're different to them. That's great. But look at how tight to their body they carry their arms. And, and they're running at you know, a really, really quick pace. So they're not swinging their arms at, a, at a, even at a quick pace. So why would you be swinging your arms low and a long distance at a slow pace? So that brings me to the next point, which is, yes, if you are sprinting, if you're going uphill, you do want to use your arms for force. So that is when you carry your arms a long way. So picture Usain Bolt. Yes, he swings his arms a long way because he's moving them very, very fast with a lot of power and a lot of energy being used to do so. So imagine if you were swinging your arms that far, but not using the amount of force that he is, your arms are going to move a lot slower. Therefore, your legs are going to move very, very slowly. So the closer you can keep your body to the center line of your spine, imagine that, that your elbows aren't out wide, they're quite relaxed and close to your body, your hands are kind of at about 90 degree angle from your elbow. So hopefully that means that they're sort of a little bit higher than your elbow, um, even a bit higher, closer to your chest, and that they're near the center line of your body as well, that they're not out wide sort of running like the Terminator out wide. Everything comes in and closer to that center line of the body. Really easy way to gain some efficiency and gain that improve your cadence so why does cadence matter well i guess that's important too um, that's simply for you to test out what cadence is going to work best for you but i guarantee you that whatever cadence you're doing now if you went and tried to improve it just sort of two rpm then you're going to feel a bit lighter on your feet so whatever you're at just add to and an easy way to do that if you've got a garmin or a watch that tells you cadence you know, they're very accurate because it's just a simple, um, oh, I can't think of the phrase, but it's detecting the movement in the watch. It's extremely accurate and it's faultless. So look at the cadence on your watch um, and see if you can just up it to from where it is now. And that is going to be a good target for you to get to first and then see how you feel after practicing um, hitting that for quite a while. And then maybe you'll be able to add two again, but just two for whatever you're adding to and you're going to feel slightly lighter on your feet and slightly better. So that's a really good start. Get your arms in the right position. Get your arms swinging slightly quicker repetitions. So as they're moving less, it should therefore become easier to move them faster. Like, so I almost think is that if, you, if you're running on the spot, your, your hands are barely, barely moving. It's really just tap, 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 tap. Like it's just the little jiggling of your hands going up and down. There's no swing in your arms. Um, nothing's really moving when you're running on the spot. So start at that, like running very, very slowly with your arms almost not moving and all it is is your hands going up and down just a tiny bit and then progress to increasing the speed and not increasing the effort from the arms but just slow the, the the swing will increase just a little bit there and try and keep that same nice light cadence so to help with cadence uh, you want to feel like everything's jiggling so if you're tense and controlling everything you'll be slower so things don't move fast when you're tense and controlling them a lot so you have to be relaxed 
to get a better cadence. So shoulders, trapezius, lats, um, triceps, biceps, forearms, hands, everything needs to be relaxed to improve the ability for you to be efficient and move quickly. The same is for swimming recovery. In the recovery portion of the swim, if you're more relaxed, you'll be able to throw that hand over faster and not have a slow, controlled, tiring recovery. So by keeping the body relaxed, you'll be able to move everything quicker. So you want to feel all those muscles jiggling. You want to feel everything moving about. Um, so that's a really good sort of as you run. Every now and then you can remind yourself, oh, can I feel everything jiggling? And we'll see if you can or not. So that's another sort of cue to help you check in with how you're going. Um, again, anytime you come to a hill though, uh, it's great practice to connect the arms though, to work the arms on that hill or on those stairs. If you do want to push a bit harder on that hill, use the arms to do so. Feel that connection between that cross chain, sort of right to left between the shoulder and the arm down to the left side of the hip and the left leg. So right connects to left, left connects to right as they're twisting through the middle of your body. Feel that connection when you do want to do a sprint, when you do want to go uphill, and then that will help you connect when you're going slower. You'll feel that connection better. So that's a really important part of how to feel more efficient running. Feel that connection between arms and legs. Whether you're running fast or slow, just you, the more you can practice that connection, whether it's that the arms are being used as force to power the legs or whether it's the arms are being used and as relaxed to keep a quick cadence with the legs, it's still a connection. So practice that connection. Now, the third part is footfall. Where is your foot landing underneath you? Is it landing on the heel of the foot? So those things, here we go. So how does it land? I recommend that people aim towards wherever you're at, just slowly land. If you're a bit of a heel striker, just keep landing less and less on the heel over time. That's your goal. So don't suddenly become a forefoot runner. Um, and I'll explain how, what forefoot could actually mean or doesn't mean. So I recommend people land flat footed. So pretty much the forefoot and the heel land at the same time on the ground, but the majority of the weight is in the forefoot. Now, if you're running in built-up shoes that have a big heel, so let's say the heel is anywhere from 7 to 12 or however big it goes, the heel is 7 to 12 mil higher than the forefoot. It's going to be very difficult for you to land flat-footed with the weight in the forefoot. So... First of all, for those people running in those sort of shoes, um, this is not going to be applicable to you unless you want to start to change to using your landing on your heel less over time, gradually, as I say, gradually change. Um, but for those of you that are already a bit more progressed with running naturally and landing and putting some weight through the forefoot, your foot is built to take the absorption through the arch and the Achilles. These tendons that do not fatigue, they're not requiring huge amounts of blood flow like muscles. They're not um, requiring a... They don't fatigue like muscles do. So when you can build up a running technique that is taking advantage of tendons and that you then adapt those tendons to doing that amount of work, 
uh, running totally takes on a different feeling. So as you transition from sort of more heel to more forefoot, or even if you're sort of a midfoot now, but want to go a little bit more weight in the forefoot, your calves may tighten up, but that will not last if you can just consistently do a little bit at a time. And then when you become a really good uh, natural runner, so you could say run barefoot for quite a long time, several kilometers, and you're not going to get any tightness in your calves from running in that way. So it's a great feeling where your calves no longer get tight when you've done the work, when you've actually done the training to have the body react like that. It's a great feeling. Um, so where does it land? So back to landing flat-footed. More, majority of the weight in the forefoot to allow the uh, arch and the Achilles to do what they're going to do, which is take load absorb the energy and then release the energy back so if you're landing on the ground and you have a slow cadence then it's very difficult to get that energy back because it's basically by the time your foot's landed on the ground and stayed there for quite a while you don't have that bounce back from the achilles anymore and the arch so the less time you can be on the ground the better and a really good uh, exercise that you could try right now is jumping on the spot. So stand as tall as you can again um, and then just relax. And now I want you just to jump on the spot five times quickly, really lightly and quickly. And as you're jumping on the spot, what part of the foot are you using? The forefoot. And how hard is that? Not very hard. You could probably do it quite a few times. Now, if you land, if you now jump and land on your heel, I, you only need to do it twice. Jump up, jump down, putting landing in the heel and then pushing off from your heel. How many times could you do that in a row? How much more energy intensive is that to push on and off the heel to get off the ground? It's crazy. Like you might only be able to do it about 10 times before you're absolutely exhausted. Whereas, you know, the jumping in the forefoot is like skipping and you could do it for minutes and minutes right now. If you trained, you could do it for hours. But the landing in the heel and pushing off from the heel without that energy return from the tendons of the arch and the Achilles is a massive amount of energy required in the muscles to do so. You can feel that you are using the quads more that that's the main muscle that you've got to then load your legs. You stand on your leg for longer because you're in contact with the ground for longer. Then you have to reload the muscle, push through, push off the ground and get off the ground again. So imagine doing that thousands of times as you run in training or in a race. How much more energy are you using when you're landing in the heel over doing that simple little four-foot jump? So... When you're running, like it is different to jumping. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but that's just to give you an idea of the energy that can be returned naturally and easily when you run more forefoot. Because when you're just jumping on the spot, your heel is not landing at the same time as your uh, forefoot. You're really, really quite a lot more forefoot. And I don't recommend anybody runs purely forefoot for like longer runs. You don't want to be... Um, so the point of running, I guess, uh, how it would work is that the, the most amount of flex that you can get in your Achilles and arch through that ankle joint to load and then return the energy is best. Hence why if you're in high heels, for example, 
how quick can you run in high heels? Not very quick because you've got zero spring coming back because that ankle is not able to load because it's not able to drop the heel. So that's why, you know, minimalist shoes I'm such a big fan of because it allows you to drop the heel, which allows you to load the forefoot. So it doesn't mean that you want to keep the ankle stiff. You don't want to keep the ankle locked and not let that um, heel drop. You want to let the heel drop as far as it can, which means it is in contact with the ground. But then what happens is it's just maximum load, uh, maximum amount of movement and loading the spring but minimal amount of weight hitting the heel and, um, and slowing you down and, and making you push off the heel. So try to get that picture. I, I, I love thinking of a kangaroo and how a kangaroo moves uh, when they're running. It's just pure spring-loaded energy through the tendons. Um, it's just so, so graceful to watch. And I try to get that feeling when I'm running of the legs aren't actually doing any work it's just the tendons and when you've got to a point of training which might be you know you might need to be doing 80k a week or 100k a week or whatever it is for you to feel that effortlessness of forefoot running without the legs muscles actually doing the work it it's an amazing feeling so you you need to have that slight lean forward to keep momentum naturally you need to have great awareness of the arm connection to cadence so that you're only on the ground for a very short time and then you need to have good awareness of where the foot is landing under your body and in what part of the foot are you loading up so that's the next bit where's it landing under your body obviously it's if, if it's landing out in front of your body it's almost like a bit of a break like a little bit in front of your body is okay you move over that by the time your body then actually puts the weight through the foot it'll be under your hip and behind you but if you're landing on the heel and the weight is in the foot before it gets underneath your hips, you are really slowing yourself down and costing yourself a lot of time and energy. So that's heel striking. And it is going to happen. You cannot avoid it if you are running in built-up shoes with a heavy heel. And even for that matter, a heavy, a heavy shoe in itself um, can change the way that you'll feel also. So that's the recovery is also important of how you will land with your foot. So if you keep tense the whole time you're running, you're going to land tensed on the ground. So it's a bit like the jumping on the spot. Were you tense when you were in the air? No, you weren't tense. You weren't prepping for that next um, push off the ground. What you were doing was you were relaxed in the ground, in the air. And that's how you want that recovery to feel in between each stride you want the recovery to be relaxed and fairly close to the ground so you'll drive it through with sort of thinking about pulling it through from the hip leading with the knee and the lower leg is just being dragged along by the hip and the knee again just like swimming this is what i recommend people you're bringing your arm through in the recovery the shoulder is lifting the arm up the elbows leading the way and then the lower arm is super relaxed and just following where it's being told to go by the shoulder and the elbow. The lower part of the leg should feel the same. It's just being, it's just following where it's being told to go by the hip and the knees leading the way forward. So that's the main way to have a great recovery because then when you contact the ground, boom, everything connects naturally as that forefoot is 
load it up as you did in that standing exercise where you put your weight more into the forefoot, the muscles naturally fire when you load up the forefoot. If you load up the heel first, nothing will fire. Everything will feel hard and weak and you've got to really work every muscle that you can, your quads and you know every back and all these muscles that don't need to be worked hard when you're running. But you'll need them because your muscles aren't naturally switching on to stabilize you. Your tendons aren't there to stabilize you. So I've gone on and off about switching on and activation to build up that uh, stability in your legs and that uh, feeling of that you're not even doing anything because everything becomes natural. Um, as part of the push off the ground as well, you don't want to be pushing off the ground. You don't want to feel like I've got to push with my toes off the ground or even with your heel or your quad or whatever part of the leg it is that you are using to push off the ground. It should be just like walking. Your foot naturally peels off the ground. That energy will naturally come back out of the ankle joint and through those tendons as you move forward over the leg if you've got a quick cadence, if you've got a slow cadence, then you know what I'm talking about. Then that feels like you do have to push off the ground with every stride just to get the leg forward, just to get momentum to move forward for that next step. But it should feel like walking. It should feel like you just step on the ground, you move over it, you pick it up, gently it peels off the ground and then it gently carries forward nice and relaxed. So it's a good thing even to practice walking super relaxed and then try to carry that into how you run okay that brings us to the next part which is shoes um i get quite a lot of questions over social media and things about what shoes i'm using and everything else um and after shoes i'm just going to quickly cover a bit about uh my time spent training barefoot um, why i still do it and the benefits of that so shoes first of all i've been running mostly in training in zeros, X-E-R-O's. Um, full disclosure, they have been sending me shoes since last year and they are a full minimalist shoe. It's basically, I think it's four and a half mil of um, rubber sole and that's it. And then a shoe over the top. There's no arch, there's no heel raise, there's nothing. It's four and a half mil the whole way along and no support anywhere through the arch or anything like that. So it took me, and I was already a four-foot runner. I was already doing all my training in racing flats. But to go full minimalist with a very thin shoe that allowed, and it was wide at the toe box, that allowed my foot to spread out, still took, you know, six months for me to get really comfortable with. Granted, I wasn't doing a heap of running last year, but it still took quite a while to get really comfortable with running over, you know, looser rocks, rockier ground and uneven ground because your foot joints have to start to move again. It's a totally different experience to your foot molding over rocks as to what it was before, which is much more like it stays flat and the shoe just absorbs the points of the rocks and things. So that was, uh, that's been great. I've been loving running in them. I've even did a bit of time running in their sandals and that's great because the sandals are so lightweight and um, I really enjoyed that. I just haven't run in the sandals for a while now. But um, the sandal that I still wear all the time out and about, so I'm still in uh, a minimalist sandal. So it's the Genesis sandal. So if you look that up, 
it's very it's maybe even i think it's less than um four mil of rubber and very very lightweight feels like you've got nothing on your feet um and that is great i wear it just all the time it's pretty much my shoe that i or the sandal that i wear the most as a shoe because it's so minimalist so i'm always walking around feeling barefoot which i love um and now though i am actually spending more and more time pure barefoot so i'm actually not even putting those sandals on when i used to let's say i'm walking the dogs down the road into the bush to the creek i'm now not wearing shoes and i'll walk around the streets now barefoot um, i'll try and hit the grass a bit more and then the road but still i'm just tending more and more towards more time barefoot which feels great and um, i'll explain a bit more about that at the end and um but they didn't have a zero didn't have a racing shoe before like a lighter weight their prio uh, that i've been running in training is slightly heavier um, very comfortable because it's got all that padding but slightly heavier but they've just released a new shoe which is their speed force and the name speaks for itself i have not tried that yet but i'm really looking forward to testing that out because um that's what i've been craving a pure minimalist shoe but with a lighter weight so that's what I'm. That's that's the key elements of of what shoe do you want? You want something very light. And if you've listened to anything or read from Phil Maffetone, being lightweight and minimalist and basically barefoot, he believes is the absolute key to, you know, someone running uh, the a sub two hours in a race, the the next fastest marathon. He thinks if someone could. Now I'm on the fence there. I'm not going to say yes. Someone should run a marathon on a road barefoot. If they train for it, then potentially it is quicker. But is there advantages to some of the shoes out there? I think there is, obviously. The, the Nikes are, have put in these carbon plates, but they're heavier. They're a bit too heavy for me. Like I tried them, but the first couple of races that I wore them in um, felt good because I was running well. And that meant I was running sort of like 3.30 pace for the half marathons in an Ironman and at that pace they felt good but they didn't feel amazing my leg wasn't able to switch on as much as it does when I'm running in a middle of my shoe and that really bothered me I could sense that even though it gave me speed it didn't give me the activation in my muscles that I was used to so anytime I hit a little bit of a hill a little bit of an uphill um, I would almost trip over my feet because I wasn't triggering those muscles and that um proprioception of like the terrain changing almost so that was where i noticed it and then i also noticed that if i was getting something out of the back pocket of my jersey i'd almost my legs would almost just collapse underneath me if i lost a little bit of that momentum and didn't hit the ground perfectly because i wasn't getting that proprioception of what my feet are doing it's a bit like if you've seen funny videos of dogs the first time someone puts shoe covers shoe um, boots on them or potentially for very very hot weather as well then the dogs have no idea how to walk they're, they're taking their feet out wide and it's very very funny look it up on youtube and it's that's proprioception if you can't feel what's going on then it's very difficult to control your muscles or have a natural response in your muscles to what's going on around you I have heard of a one one situation of a guy that had a disease where he actually had no feeling anywhere on his skin. 
So he had zero ability to sense when he was moving, what he was touching, if something was hot, if it was cold. Actually, if he, was, if he actually was touching something, he couldn't tell if he was actually touching it. So it, you would think, oh, that's easy for us. Like, yeah, you, just, you can just see if you're touching it. But it doesn't work like that. If you've all had numb hands in one time or another from the cold, how easy is it to move your hands when you can't actually feel if you're touching, you know, the, the rope that you're wanting to touch? And that's not just because they're um, cold and therefore hard to move. It's because you can't sense if you're touching something. So the same goes for feet. If you can't sense what your body is doing, if you're landing on hard ground, soft ground, rocky ground, um, and as I said in that example of standing tall and leaning forward, which I should have told you to do barefoot, actually, and all the jumping exercise, I should have told you to do everything that we did, do it barefoot. If you didn't, go back and do it all again barefoot. Um, and so think about that. That's what I was feeling in the half marathons wearing the Nike 4% where, yes, it was running quick, but I knew that it wasn't optimum. And... So I've been on this search for what shoes, what shoes feel good. And um, it was when Joe Skipper was here in earlier in the year and he got sent some hokers. And one of the prototypes at the time was the Evo Carbon Rocket and they sent him the wrong size. It was too small for him. So he gave it to me. And I've actually gone to that on days where I'm running in the Noosa National Park where there's, there's some sections in there which are literally just like pointy rocks in very hard ground because they've done a weird thing compacting the ground but there's some real pointy sections and I find that if my feet if I've been doing a few kilometers that week in running and then if I wear my minimalist shoes through that section just that particular section which is only maybe a couple of kilometers long but if I tread in the wrong spot on those really pointy rocks with hard ground all around it um, I can just feel like I bruise my metatarsal a little bit and it just doesn't feel great so that's when I started using the Evo Carbon Rocket for those sort of runs where I know that it's particularly painful for my feet if my feet are tired um, and vulnerable from a from a bigger week of running and they've been great I, I do recommend those to other people that want something with more cushioning than like a zero shoe and but it's minimalist it's like a one mil drop I think and it's pretty light, has got a carbon plate in there, I believe. And I've been using those, swapping them out in some of my training runs. And it's, yeah, like I say, that, that's been another option. In races, the last couple of races, I've wore some old pairs of Asics Piranhas, which they do not make anymore. But they were a super, super lightweight racing flat. And I've been searching around for a super lightweight racing flat the last couple of months. And the only thing that I've found is the Reebok Runfast Pro. And I ordered a pair from a website that I thought looked very legitimate. It had a login and had everything sorted. And the price was just a little bit better than other places. But that's turned out to not be the case. I got sent a very cheap pair of knockoff Reeboks from China. Um, so that was a bit disappointing. So I'm sorting that out with the bank at the moment. But the Reebok Runfast Pro looks like a very lightweight shoe. Good EVA foam, if that's what it is, I believe. So you're getting a nice cushioned feel. And you're getting a bit of spring back. I've tested a few other shoes that I just didn't love. Uh, like I tested um, 
the Sorconis uh, as aid nines or something. And they just didn't feel like they had any spring in the forefoot. Like they were too flexible. Like if I put on a racing flat, I want it to feel like it has got a bit of stiffness through that forefoot. So it may not have a carbon plate in it, but I want it to feel like it's going to give me a little bit of bounce back uh, as I move over it, as I land forefoot, bend the shoe. I want it to give me a little bit of a spring back as well. So I've moved on from the Nikes. Um, the Asics Piranhas, I may end up racing in those again because I found a spare brand new pair of those that I had in the um, closet. And they, like I said, they haven't been making them for many years. And so I don't like your luck of finding those. Um, but they're just super lightweight with a nice soft foam underneath. And just, yeah, try out some different versions. Try and find a shoe that is a little bit lower in the heel than what you're currently running in. That's a good, if you want to swap out from a heavier shoe and landing heel, just a little bit less in the heel, a little bit lighter shoe to help give you that proprioception. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the big hockers that are really built up that are, you know, people end up being about an inch off the ground. Um, I think all proprioception at that point is gone and you're not going to feel any forefoot connection. But people who land in the heel, people who find that they've got sore knee joints that are older, that are not going to particularly have the ability to change their running technique or the desire or the belief that they can, which is probably the biggest part of it, the belief that they can change their running technique at an old age, that is, yep, they, they enjoy that shoe and fine. But the rest of the time, like you don't need to be wearing a built-up shoe just because you wear a built-up shoe for running in. Go for a minimalist shoe the rest of the time. I've got some really nice casual pairs that I wear when I actually do wear a shoe out anywhere um, with jeans or any, even, even smarter than that. I do wear some Zeros and I can't remember the name of those ones, but they're really, really nice casual shoes. Um, so I think the Zeros have got lots of options for you to test out. They're made in um, Boulder, Colorado. So there might be a few of you listening that are over that way. Support a local company. They're a really cool um, local family-run company. And, but there's plenty of other minimalist shoe brands out there as well. Um, so just find something that you are comfortable running in and go a little bit more towards minimalist. Now, to get to the barefoot, what is so important about running barefoot? Um, well, where do I start? Well, first of all, you should start with a very, very small amount of barefoot running on a grass track, which I'm lucky enough to have one just a kilometre from home. And it's nice grass. It's, um, you know, proper 400 metre track, but I'll run around the more towards the outer laps, outer lanes. And it's running barefoot. Yes, you need to approach this slowly because your calves will get tight in your first few attempts. You want to try not running like you normally run with shoes on. You want to lean more towards being landing flat-footed majority of the weight in the forefoot. So imagine, let's say, well, you could even try it. Go run on concrete a few steps. How does that feel with your old technique? So does running barefoot on concrete feel horrible? Well, that's a good time for you to think about how to improve your technique so your body is doing what it was made to do naturally the natural efficient biomechanics of a human running so now you go into the grass now you go and okay let's run let's run a little bit less like i did 
uh, on the concrete and improve it a little bit. And you might just do at the end of your run, like if you've done it all with shoes, then you go to the grass track and maybe at the start you're just going to do a minute on, minute off barefoot. And maybe you only do that for 10 minutes. That might be as much as you want to do and I would recommend you only do a little bit. Don't the first day go, oh, let's keep running until I get sore because you're not going to know how sore you get until tomorrow. So that, do not just go, let's go see what I can do. Let's approach this with time, with, with patience and just do a little bit at a time. And so over, over gradually, you'll get uh, better at running barefoot. You'll get better at running on the road or on trails because you'll gradually get your shoe that's a little bit lower in the heel, a little bit closer to the ground and things will, in proprioception, will be more connected. And then you come back to the track and, you know, so now I'll, I'll run to the track and I might do a few K warm-up beforehand with shoes on to get there the long way and then I might run another six or so K at the moment there and then I might do just another kilometre or so home. So I might do a moment about 60% of one of my runs on the grass track barefoot. And ideally, so if you can biohack, and yes, I said biohack, your circadian rhythms a little bit. So if you need to get away from poor circadian rhythms, which are driven by seeing blue light at night, TV, phone, computer, um, or even just house lights, if you're up well past, you know, bed, if you're going to bed just as you've seen all these other lights and then you jump straight into bed, that blue light's really affecting your circadian rhythm. So to try to mitigate that a little bit, if you can see the sunrise within, you know, half an hour of waking up, you see the sun rise when it's rising. Um, so if you can go to a track that's grass early in the morning when there's a bit of dew on the, dew on the uh, grass... And so let's say you're also getting the grounding effect. And yes, grounding, I didn't fully understand much about anymore. I thought, yeah, well, if you believe it, you believe it and, and it, it might work, it might not. Now I've learned a lot more about grounding and the positive negative charges that the, are the electrons within our cells because energy is electrons, it is negative and positive charges within our body that combine to create energy and life. Everything with life has these negative ions and positive ions. So you want to definitely try and get some grounding in. So, you know, swimming in the ocean is great, but, you know, running barefoot around a grass track that's dewy is absolutely perfect. So you can connect or uh, combine running barefoot to get the grounding effect. You're going to run barefoot to get the beneficial biomechanic adaptations to, to be able to run more efficiently. And if you do it early in the morning, first thing, you're going to get great sunlight into your eyes, which is going to help trigger circadian rhythm. And yep, and also vitamin D, uh, you're also going to get more sunlight on your skin. So if it's warm enough, run without a shirt. Get more sunlight on your skin to help vitamin D production, to help nitric oxide production to help everything get more benefit from the UV rays early in the morning. So that's my little health biohack um, offshoot. Now, back to running. I think that's pretty much everything that I... Oh, last thing. Okay. You need to... All those three things. The three things are uh, cadence arm and arm carry, posture, and your footfall. 
And the fourth thing, if we want to add in number four for you to cycle through your brain while you're running, it is relax. So you need to be aware if tension is building up in your body and where it is building up. So building up tension in the trapezius and shoulders, if your shoulders are coming anywhere upwards towards your ears, that's giving negative feedback into your body. And you don't want your muscle memory to have that feedback of fight or flight mode of hormones being raised while you're doing a relaxing, beneficial, healthy activity, which is exercise. So any you have to be aware. Um, so that's the key thing of body tension is going to be your shoulders and neck area. The other one is your breathing. Are you breathing into your upper chest and therefore not relaxed and into your belly? So I want you to try and breathe into your belly to help that relax your entire body. The other part of it is that I want you to relax your mind. So if you're getting tense in your mind while you're running, then that's going to have the same hormonal effect and everything will be tense as well. So mind-body connection of relaxing, releasing tension. And there's no, like I actually recommend to everybody that you do take little breaks throughout your run so that you can actually do a little systems check like, oh, was I actually holding my, was actually breathing really short and shallow, but I didn't even notice it. So when you stop, you release tension and go, oh, if you actually stop and find that you've just done that, you've been running with tension. So you want to have that feeling of that you've already finished, that you've already got that, uh, that release of tension while you're running, not just when you finish it. You want to run while feeling that same thing mentally and physically. And the other part of tension is feeling all your arm muscles jiggle. So you want all your muscles to be jiggling and feel relaxed. And if you can, do all of that while nose breathing. For the ultimate aerobic experience and controlled breathing and relaxation, try to keep nose breathing while you're doing your nice, easy jog. So that's about everything. Combine those first three points with the fourth point overriding everything and you're going to have a great run and you're going to slowly improve your running. Remember, this is not overnight changes. These are things that will take time and you will get better at all of them over time. And try to get out there, do a little bit of barefoot walking if that's all you can do. Walk in the ocean for great benefits of grounding. Walk barefoot as many times throughout the day as you can. Kick off those shoes that have any sort of a heel on them. Wear minimalist shoes and enjoy your running, enjoy your body, get to know it. And I'd love to hear any feedback from you about this with more questions about running and shoes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. And don't forget that this was brought to you by Live Your Own Fit, a health and performance company that Jamie and I founded. And we offer all sorts of solutions to people wanting to get more out of their body, whether it's mentally, physically, optimum performance in racing or just day-to-day life. We've got lots of options and we'd love to hear from you and see if we can be the fit for you. So reach out to us through social media or liveyourownfit.com where we have all the information about what we can offer and the key aspects of health that could help you. Or get in touch with me directly if you'd like me to give you a video analysis of your run technique to get you running faster and more efficiently and so you can enjoy running more. So have a great day, enjoy your running and never stop learning. And that's everything. 
Thanks for listening. 